jumper on the way. Good! Tyus Battle nails the three! Dungey leaps and into the end zone for Dungey. A touchdown! If that's not on every highlight show tonight, then I, I don't know who's watching. Powered for oh! Soaring through the air! High-flying Slovakian! Screen pass here, he'll get one. And he stays alive and he's got room to the 10. One man to beat, he'll do it. Touchdown, Syracuse! And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, pulled by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 to 24. The penetration, step back. Oh, a pressure bucket for Tyus Battle. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Powered by Drivers Village and Hummel's Office Plus. Welcome in, welcome aboard. Seth Goldberg with you here on a Monday edition of Orange Nation here on ESPN Radio. 315-437-7644 is the telephone number. 315-288-0644 on the text line. And of course on Twitter at ESPN Syracuse at Seth Goldberg 17 if you'd like to join in the show that way. We've got plenty to get to here on the program. We've got to get to Antonio Brown and him taking a page out of the NBA player pay, uh, playbook. We'll do that in hour number two. Got to get to James Dolan and his insanity. We'll do that in hour number two, In uh, later on in hour number one. Want to get to Chris Carlson as well. Syracuse.com and Syracuse Post Standard reporter going to join us at about 1.20. And, of course, we've got today's business coming up in our number two of the show as well. So a busy show planned for you today on this Monday. Join us as we talk SU basketball to start. Because there was that game against Clemson over the weekend. The game that you looked at and said, wow, Syracuse could have a pretty good chance of going and winning. This would really lock up an NCAA tournament bid. It would it would make you feel really great going into conference tournament to pick up this win, to to just kind of move on. You get to 20 wins on the season, another Quadrant 1 win, and you would feel great about yourself. And we'll talk about bracket implications uh, and bracketology coming up in about 15 minutes or so. But Syracuse couldn't go and do that. Syracuse couldn't go get that win. Syracuse had another top 40 team on the ropes and couldn't deliver the knockout blow. SU led Duke, Virginia, UNC, and Clemson, all of them, at the half. Syracuse held leads in each of these last four losses at halftime and could not manage to hold on. Now, I don't know that there's necessarily a common thread because I don't think that what Clemson did is similar to what Virginia did, and that's not similar to what UNC did. But one thing that you might be able to look at and say, well, that's similar, is what has happened with Syracuse's offense. Because it feels like Syracuse's offense kind of tends to disappear at times. Syracuse's offense tends to struggle in certain stretches. And while the defense is good, it's not good enough to make up for not scoring for prolonged periods of time. 
And we saw that on sa- on Saturday. Multiple four-minute stretches where Syracuse did not score in the second half. You're not going to win very many games that way. And it seems like, after thinking for a couple of weeks, that Syracuse had been playing their best basketball, that Syracuse had been playing very well in losses to uh, Duke and UNC, the wins over Louisville and Wake Forest, it feels like that's not truly the case after the last two games. The last two games have left a really bad taste in your mouth. And they should. Because those don't look good. That game a week ago today, that game against Virginia, the second half, really leaves you feeling bad. That game on Saturday, there's not much positive to take out of that. Because when you look at that game closer, the offensive struggles were there from the beginning. And the difference in the first half was simply that Clemson couldn't make anything either. And Clemson was struggling, Clemson wasn't making shots, and it allowed Syracuse to stay in that game and stay close and have a seven-point lead. But they weren't able to build on that. They weren't able to push forward. And you can look and you can ask why, and there are a number of reasons. But when Tyus Battle only scores 10 points, and Elijah Hughes only plays 11 minutes and doesn't score at all, you're you're not going to have much success. You're just not. This Syracuse team cannot afford to have games like that from Elijah Hughes. This Syracuse team cannot afford to have more many more games like that out of Ty's battle. Sure. They need all their players to be on. They need all their players to step up. And Saturday, Tyus Battle struggled from the field. He was only 3 for 11. That's just not going to get the job done. Elijah Hughes couldn't stay on the court. He got into foul trouble in the first half. He barely played in the second half. He only played 11 minutes. Like, that is baffling to me. And you're just not going to win when he plays 11 ineffective minutes. This Syracuse team, and I think O'Shea Brissett is good, and I don't mean this as a knock on him, but I don't think this Syracuse team is going to go very far if O'Shea Brissett is the best player. And again, I don't mean that as a knock. But right now, in this season, he's been the second or third best player on the team. Because Tyus Battle is a better player than him. Because Elijah Hughes, for the majority of the season, has been a better player than him. So if the best players on your team are not performing up to the level that they should be, and somebody else has to take that mantle, and O'Shea was great. 15-7, and he was attacking the basket. He looked good in that game against Clemson over the weekend. But Syracuse isn't going to win games with him being the lead guy. Because if he's the lead guy, it means that Ty's battle isn't. It means that Elijah Hughes isn't. And that's not going to get the job done in the ACC tournament. That's not going to get the job done in the NCAA tournament. 
Syracuse needs its best players to start playing like their best players again. And for the most part, they had been. For the most part, they had been. Tyus Battle had been playing pretty well. But you just need more out of them. You just need more out of them. Played good games against Carolina and Wake Forest and even Duke. He wasn't great. He was fine. But these last two games, he's a combined 8 for 30 from the field. That's not going to get the job done. A combined 2 for 8 from 3. That's not going to get the job done. And here's the biggest number. He scored 21 points combined in these last two games. And I know that he's been defended very well, especially in the Virginia game when DeAndre Hunter was guarding him. But you got to find a way to do better than that. That was my thought Saturday. And looking at these numbers again, he took 19 shots against DeAndre Hunter and Virginia. He had to find a way to get more than 11 shots up in that game against Clemson. He just wasn't there. He wasn't aggressive enough. And then he wasn't making shots that he was taking. So things went wrong for Syracuse on Saturday. Things went bad for Syracuse on Saturday. And simply put, they need more out of their best players to be at their best. But that doesn't mean they're done. That doesn't mean they're toast. That doesn't mean the season's over. Not by a long shot. They just need these guys to play better. That felt like a very winnable game for Syracuse. That felt like a game that they could have and should have gone out and won. They were up double digits in the first half. They were up seven at the half. That felt like a game that was there for the taking. And Syracuse didn't take advantage. And now they head to the ACC tournament as the sixth seed. And I'm not going to say that their tournament future is in doubt. But there's certainly a lot more questions about it than had they just taken care of business and won that game on Saturday. Why don't we do this? Let's take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll talk bracketology. Because I still think Syracuse is safe. I still think Syracuse is in. Let's talk about that next here on ESPN Radio. Live from Armory Square. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Back here on Orange Nation, we're brought to you by the Bell Rap Superstore at the corner of Thompson and Burnett in Syracuse or online at BillRap.com. Want to get to some bracketology here for the Orange. 315-437-7644, your thoughts are welcome as the Orange heads down to Charlotte for the ACC tournament. And they'll get either Boston College or Pittsburgh. And I thought this was interesting in in looking into this last night, and you always hear that narrative of it's tough to beat a team three times. Um, I don't buy that narrative. I certainly don't. Um, I used to until I saw the numbers. And the numbers say 
that over the last decade, the team has that has won the first two wins the third 72% of the time. So I don't buy that narrative anymore. I'm, I'm off the bandwagon on that one for sure. But I look at where Syracuse sits, and if they can beat Pittsburgh or Boston College for a third time, which they should because, let's face it, they're just better than Pittsburgh and Boston College. So if they can beat Boston College and Pittsburgh, I think they're just fine. I think there's no worry. I think that you just move on and you say, hey, that's a team that's in the NCAA tournament. Because looking at them, they've got an NCAA tournament resume. They've managed to avoid too many bad losses. They've picked up good wins at uh, at Duke. They've still got that win at Ohio State. Now, Ohio State's in a free fall. Ohio State might not make the tournament. That is still a top 50 win on the road, so it's still a good win. And that, that win against Louisville at home is a good win as well. Not great, probably not as good as it was two weeks ago when they got it, but it is still a good win. So Syracuse has managed to avoid too many bad losses. At this point, there's really only one loss that you would look at and say, all right, that's a bad loss. And that's the Georgia Tech game. And they've got three wins to balance that out. So I I think to myself, and I, I say the same thing that I did going into that Wake Forest game, just avoid another bad loss. Don't give the committee something extra to look at. Don't give the committee something to look at and say, you know what, that's another bad data point. And move you closer to the cut line. Because if you are moved and pushed closer and closer to the cut line, then you get into the danger area regarding bid stealers. Now, one of those bid stealers is tonight. It'll be interesting to watch because Wofford right now is a top 25 team, which in all likelihood means Wofford's going to make the NCAA tournament, whether they win the Southern Conference Championship tonight or not. So Wofford, for... Bubble team's sake, Wofford needs to win, right? Bubble teams tonight are rooting for Wofford because if if they don't win, if UNC Greensboro gets that win, there's a strong likelihood that Wofford will still end up in the NCAA tournament. And if they do, that takes somebody else's bid away. So if you're Syracuse, you don't want to move yourself closer and closer to that cut line because you don't want to have to worry about those bid stealers. You don't have to want to have to worry about those teams that are coming and and potentially taking bids away from the last at-large teams. You've got to manage to stay where you are. The loss at Clemson doesn't hurt you. Besides it being another loss on your resume, the loss at Clemson does not hurt you. It's just kind of there. It's a top 50 team on the road. It happens. You lose that game. To me, Syracuse is just fine as far as the bracket goes. They're in the tournament. They're a 9 seed. Maybe they drop to a 10 seed, but the likelihood is they're a 9 seed. And we go on our way. 
They'll be stuck in that bracket with Gonzaga because they have to be. And you move forward. You look at what they can do on another tournament run. Let's hit the phones here, 315-437-7644. Let's head to Scooter and Jamesville on the line. Scooter, bet and lead off for us today. How are you, Scooter? Hey, Seth. Uh, you know, top 25 shouldn't matter. Well, we know it doesn't. Uh, Middle Tennessee and State Mayors are both in the top 25 last year and didn't make the tournament. So, And Syracuse wasn't in the top 25 at all and did. So yeah, they, you're right. So, so they should. I mean, that, that should. And Walford should be there no matter what. But that's but as long as as long as the mid majors are ignored, then the Power Five can have teams with losing records. I think there's a team I don't know it was in the uh, in the Big Twelve that might have a six and twelve record that's going to be considered on the bubble. Well, I te- mean, six and twelve in your can reward mediocrity. Well, Scooter, Texas and, right now is sixteen and fifteen overall. Huh? Texas right now is sixteen and fifteen overall, and like right on right. the bubble. Yeah, exactly, Seth. And to me, if this is the year of the mid-majors. If they were really serious about mid-majors, they could make, uh, 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 they could make a strong case for them. For example, Liscombe. They went out and beat Louisville Louisville. They played, they played Clemson tough. Uh, Belmont, Belmont got beat by Murray State in the finals. Well, Belmont went out and beat UCLA on the road. And so this is the year if they really wanted to go at large for teams that have to win their conference titles, it's one and done. This is the year that this year, the bubble is so weak. I mean, think about it. Syracuse has got 12 wins, and you're absolutely right, Seth. They're in the tournament. The yeah, they lose. Easy. I mean, they're going to end up with 13 losses and going to be 8 or 9 or 10 seed. I mean, it, that's how weak the, the bubble is. And so if you really wanted to you know, say, okay, fine, we're going to reward mid-majors for going on the road and playing, pow- you know, playing power five teams and winning this is the year that you can be rewarded, but they're not going to do it. Syracuse, teams like that, teams from other conferences got this bad record of Syracuse. They're going to make it. And from a fan standpoint, I get kind of bored of retreads when you get the eighth and ninth teams coming from a conference. Why play the regular season? Do you eliminate three, uh, three teams? Yeah, you know, Scooter, I, I hear you, and I, and I get it. Um, I, I struggle with this because at, at some point, yes, you should be putting in teams that you should reward good teams. You should reward better teams over rewarding mediocrity. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that when Texas goes out and loses in the in the Big 12 tournament and they've got 16 losses and maybe they're a game over 500, then they still could get an NCAA bid. But there's no doubt in my mind that they shouldn't, right? Like, that. that's a mediocre enough team that they shouldn't get a bid. But they probably still will and could and very well could. So you should reward somebody like Lipscomb. You should reward somebody like uh, a Belmont. Uh, my problem becomes, you know, and, and I'm looking at Wofford's resume right now. What do you reward them for? Um, you know, I, I just picked Wofford because it was the first one I found on the team sheet. But what do you reward them for? And, and Scooter, thanks for the call, as always. But you look at their resume. They've lost. They lost at. Uh, they lost at home against North Carolina. They lost at Kansas, at Mississippi State, at uh, Oklahoma. None of these games were particularly close. The closest one was an 11-point loss uh, to both Mississippi State and North Carolina. So, like, I, I, I understand wanting to reward people. And maybe, I, you know, maybe looking at that, they shouldn't be rewarded. They shouldn't get in. Uh, you know, but Scooter cited, oh, well, you know, uh, a team went and won at UCLA. No conf- no power conference team is getting points for winning at UCLA. You know, and I, I made this point a couple of years ago with Mammoth. Mammoth went and beat UCLA and Georgetown. No power conference team was getting credit for beating UCLA and Georgetown. 
And so I think that you do have to, you know, I know that it's hard for mid-majors to schedule good teams. But it's some in some way, you've got to keep them honest. Right? You can't, you can't give credit for beating a team that you wouldn't give credit to Syracuse for beating. Or you wouldn't give credit for uh, to Texas for beating. You know, Arizona State's on the bubble, too. Is Arizona State going to get bu- uh, credit for winning at UCLA? Probably not. So I, I don't know that you should reward Lipscomb or Belmont for that as well. Let's hit the phones. Let's keep it rolling. We got Pat and Syracuse on the line. Hey, Pat. Yeah, great, great way to say it. I mean, I I think that the mid majors could compete. Obviously, if uh, Lipscomb is competing with Louisville and, and losing by oh, a bucket or two, they, they've obviously shown it on the floor. But I I don't think that they they get less opportunities. Um, and when they get those opportunities, you can't lose to Belmont twice, and you can't beat Jacksonville by two points. I mean. Imagine if we beat Jacksonville by two points. I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know what. I don't even know anything about Jack. I don't even know they were a D one program. You you can't beat that team, and that's why, you know, the efficiency comes in. And you know, I was looking at that net efficiency, and it kind of talks out of both sides of of the coin with it because on one regard, down on the fourth or fifth line for for uh, how they weigh things, you know, obviously the uh, point differential is cut at ten, um, but then the very first or second one, it's it's in there. So it, I don't know how this net is really going to iron itself out. I, I, I think it is severely flawed. But I think it's funny. This this town is so funny to me. Last year, it was much easier to see. And the work that needed to happen for Syracuse to go from a bubble team to in the tournament. And everybody said, oh, we're done. You know, we need to win the ACC tournament. I heard that on your radio station. We need to win the ACC. Yep. Or we need to get to the finals. Or we needed to win four more games, which we only won two. Um, I forget the last regular season win, and then we beat Wake Forest. We had two wins, and that was it. And, and, and it was more than enough with four. I think there was three or four big stealers. Um, I have to go back and look. Yeah, there were quite a few last it. year. Yeah, there, there was. I remember. Uh, I remember watching and thinking, "Oh, this is you know, this is not. This is going to be close." Um, and this year, we have to drop thirteen to fifteen spots to be on that cut line, and people are worried. I, I just, I mean. I just don't see it. I mean, you don't want to get near the last four, last five, last, you know, those last four or five teams. It, it, it's there for the subjectivity. I think they're closer to a 60 than, than, than they are getting left out. I mean, if, when I look at some of these 60s, I mean, I watched Wisconsin, who's a four seed. They blew a 23-point lead to Ohio State without their best player. In Ohio four State minutes. Had, yeah. <laughs> Ohio State did, did not have their, their uh, big man, didn't play one minute. And they took Wisconsin to overtime. We we played Ohio State when they were playing a heck of a lot better, and they had two more players that they don't have now, and we still beat them. And they're a four seed, and they're talking about Syracuse in the bubble. No, I mean, and going back to Scooter's argument, okay, uh, Lipscomb's got seven losses, and you know we got double digit losses. Okay, put Carolina on their schedule, and Duke twice, and Virginia, and Virginia Tech, and Florida State. How many losses do you think Lipscomb would have? Probably 15. So, you know, you you, you, you can't have a place. These mid-majors, when they get the opportunities, they got to beat Clemson. They got to beat Louisville. And they didn't do it. I mean, yeah. you can't lose to Belmont twice and, 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 and then get an at-large. You just can't do it. So I don't feel bad for Lipscomb. I don't even care about Lipscomb. I care about Syracuse. And my last thought about this, it has dawned on me that for, for this team, with the lack of bulk that we have, why are we grinding out games against Clemson? We need to be running. Dolajay is one of the quickest four and five. 
You got Hughes, who would excel in transition. He's got great body control. You got Battle, who would be an NBA transition player. Bay can run like a deer. And yet, we are slow, one of the slowest teams. And I hear about the zone and how the zone dictates it. No. The other team's game plan dictates it. And if Syracuse basketball wants to get back to the glory days, it's easier to recruit when you're playing up-tempo. And we're not doing that. And it's hurting recruiting. It's hurting. We're easy to scout. And it's hurting our rhythm every game. Every game is a different issue. But for me, Seth, it comes back to one thing, lack of rhythm. We don't have rhythm. Some games it affects our shooting. Some games it affects our defense. Some games it affects. Yeah. I mean, you, you can no, go on and right. on, but to me, it's all rhythm. So that's what needs to change. And, and we need to go back to Syracuse basketball when Scoop Jardine and the boys were running and filling the lanes and scoring easy baskets. Because our offense has never been able to score easy baskets in the half court. Yeah, you're right, Pat. And I'm with you. Part of the thing that I loved so much about the UNC game a week and a half ago was that they were getting up and down the court. UNC forced them to run, and they did. You know, the Duke game, Matt Cameron, Duke forced them to get up and down the court, and they did, and they scored with them, and they scored 85 points, and they did it against uh, UNC as well. They scored 80-something points. Like that. That's the kind of basketball that I like watching. Uh, so I'm with you there. I would love to see this team run and move and push more. Uh, I'm with Pat. Like th- This is a team that is in. They- they're in the tournament. They would have to drop significantly, and one loss isn't going to do that. And This was pointed out to me on Twitter, and I-, and I think it's a really good thing to remember this time of year. Yes, Syracuse is going to lose again. Right? They're, they're going to lose this week. But so is everybody else in this conversation. So is everybody else below them. There's such a small chance that a Texas goes on to to make a run in the Big 12 tournament. Like, that's not going to happen. So, yeah, Syracuse is going to lose. Maybe to, probably not to Pittsburgh or Boston College. Probably to Duke on Thursday night. Fine. Everybody is going to lose here at some point over the next week. So you've got to take that uh, into account as well. Let's wrap up here with another phone call before we hit a timeout. Patrick in Syracuse. How are you, Patrick? Hey, how you guys doing? Good, how are you? How you guys doing? We're good, how are you? Good, thanks. Um, so, I want to talk about uh, Syracuse basketball. I think uh, I agree with you guys and I agree with the other Pat that uh, they're in. Um, what concerns me moving forward is the lack of play by the big man. Uh, when you get to a team that has a big guy, like Clemson had and uh, like... Uh, like Duke has and like all these other elite teams right? or not even just elite teams, like just general teams in general that have a big guy that puts up numbers in the tournament. That's going to really kill us. Whether it's the first round or second round, it's really going to hurt us. I mean, at, at one point last year, um, I think Chukul was either leading the nation or leading the conference and, uh, and, and uh, uh, shots blocked. And his lack of play definitely hurts us um, on the defensive end. Like, he doesn't stay on the floor for more than, like, five minutes before yeah. he gets into foul trouble or Sidibe or or, uh, or Dolzai has to come in and play the, the uh, five. Um, it's just moving forward, they have to they have to find a spark. Um, maybe Sidibe will be there th- this year um, and give him some points off the uh, bench like uh, Dolzai did last year and, and give, him, make, give him a chance to make a run. Um, but I don't want to say they're out like uh, in terms of 
how how they play because they always find a way to surprise everybody and make a run into the uh, Sweet 16 or the Elite Eight or Final Four. So I don't want to say they're out, but I don't know, man. Without the without a big man, it's very hard to picture them moving far. Yeah, you know, I I think that's an interesting point they bring up, Patrick. And and thanks for the call. But um, yeah, I mean, when they when Pascal Chukwu plays better, when he is playing at his best, this team is at their best. When Pascal Chukwu is, is playing energized and and uh, engaged and and into the game, this team is better. You know what? Look at some of his best games this year. At Duke, at Carolina, he's been pretty good the last week. He was good against Wake Forest. Like, look at his best games this year, and you'll find some pretty good performances out of Syracuse. So I'm not saying he's the key to the whole thing. I, I would not say that about Pascal Chukwu, but he's a really big, really important piece as this team moves forward. Let's take a time out here. We'll take a break. We'll come back uh, and keep on rolling here on Orange Nation.